you're listening to the Pomerado Christian Church Sermon Podcast. Thank you for spending time with us today. If you're a weekly listener, welcome back. If this is your first time, we're so glad you're here and hope you consider subscribing. If you're in your car, on a run, doing things around the house, or working out, and want to connect even further and take next steps with us, visit pomerado.info. Now, enjoy this week's message. Well, welcome you guys here today. I am, I'm, uh, I am so pumped to be here. And I, you know what? Today's a special day. You guys know why? It's not the end of the year. That's not a special day. That's just another day. But it's a day that all over the world, Christians like us get together. So think of it as a big wave of Jesus going all through the world, and it stops here in California because it drops off into the ocean, right? <laughs> We're the last to hear it, but that's cool. <laughs> Um, so I'm just so glad to be here. Uh, you know, I'm, we're going to talk about revival today. Uh, many countries have different ways of thinking about revival. Some think if you just bring a bunch of people in and you start singing and people are jumping up and down and that's the Holy Spirit and, um, and that's a revival. Um, some people think that. So everybody has a different thing of, about revival. So let's, we're going to talk about that today. So do you guys think... We need a revival? Because if we don't think we need a revival, then we don't need a church, to tell you the truth. Right? So, yeah, we need a revival. Where? Like all over the world, right? I believe it's more than anything that we need a revival. But the big question is, where do we start? And who's going to start it? What do you guys think about that? Right? So let's, let's define, so we know what we're even talking about, revival. I found this, uh, um, this, what this guy said. He goes, the awakening of God's people to their true nature and purpose. That's a revival. That's pretty, and I should, she also should put on their repentance. We need to repent too, but um, the true nature and purpose. If we did that, we'd have so many people coming to Christ because people are waiting for us to act like Christians and going out and sharing the gospel. So, that's the definition. Definition is the waking of God's people to their true nature and purpose. So, I think, you know, where do we need to look for? Where, where in the world do we need this? Well, obviously we all know it's everywhere, right? So, the question is, what went wrong? Why are we in a world that we have today? Well, there's many different problems in our world, right? So, let's just talk about a few of them. There's thousands and thousands of more, but let's just talk about a couple. You know, we have wars, we have sexual abuse, we have political fighting, we have corruption, we have human trafficking, divorce, racism, child abuse, murders, people that are unfaithful, we have fractured families, we have all this hate. Do you guys see that in the world too? Yeah. I remember when I was a lot younger, I, maybe I lived in a bubble, but I didn't see that stuff. So I don't know what happened, but, uh, you know, the world is the way it is today. A lot of times, um, you know, how do we get there? That's a good question. So I think, it's, I, lo- I love this thing. It says, it is not a complicated concept to understand that when you turn out the light, which is you get rid of Jesus, darkness comes in. Evil operates within a blanket of darkness while God is light. You remove the light from humanity, and darkness quickly consumes humanity. I think we're seeing that now. We want to, I mean, mean, there's tons of countries in this this world are trying to get rid of the church. Why? Because that's where the hope is. So Satan's got to get rid of the church. 
little does he know he's going to lose, right? Because he's a loser. That's, you know, so he's, we're going to, Jesus is going to win. But so for all these problems that we have, some people think, you know what? We have solutions for this. They think, you know, if we get more police or we have more politicians, which I don't think that's good, but uh, prisons, laws, lawyers, judges, religion, more education, uh, more money, all that will cure the problems. Well, I don't know, but I'm pretty sure that we've thrown a lot of money into all these problems. They're still there. So that is not the solution. So I believe the solution is this. We have a bigger problem than this. It's we need to have a relationship. We have a relationship problem caused by our hearts. So, you know, if you, if you had $10 million and you were going to, uh, we'll pick racism, for instance. We're going to get rid of racism in San Diego. So you have 100, let's even make it bigger. You have $100 million. You can go around and you spend it how you want. You can, you know, go um, commercials or, you know, conferences, all this stuff. And everybody learns about racism. Does it stop racism? No, because it's here. Racism is here. So if you want to change something, you have to change people's hearts. How do we know that? Well, in Ezekiel um, 36, 26, it says, We need a new heart. I give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. So as Christians, we know this. So that's things that we know that uh, people that are non-believers, they don't know that stuff. But we need to give people a new heart, have a chance to have a new heart. So, when I say the church, I don't mean this specific church, I just mean the church in general, okay? So no one get mad at me. (laughs) So the church, what are we going to do about that? We're all brothers and sisters, what are we going to do? Well, sadly, most people are going to do absolutely nothing. Some people are going to say, you know what, that's the pastor's job, that's why we tithe. He's, which is good, I mean, he should be doing that, right? I mean, but he's only one guy. Um, you know what, it's not my problem, it doesn't affect me, so why do I care? Or maybe, you know what, oh, I'm kind of a new Christian, I'm, I'm just trying to figure things out. Or what I've learned here, and I've been in this country now for six months, <laughs> and uh, um, the new excuse was, well, it's been always there, but I'm too busy. I'm really too busy to worry about this kind of stuff. Well, we have to start changing our motivation. We need to start praying. We need to start fasting. We need to start learning how to be effective for Jesus. We need to um, think like whatever it takes. Or maybe we have to say, you know what, God? Pick me. You know, I love that when people say, pick me. Well, God's already picked you. <laughs> you know, you just have to say yes. Uh, you know what? Um, I'm really not ready to do that kind of stuff. You know? So the whole thing is, there's a story. You guys might have heard of these 12 guys. They're called the apostles. You know, they, uh, they, they met Jesus, and they said, you know what? <laughs> I don't even think they said, pick me. Jesus says, you're coming with me, but... Uh, <laughs> But they did something that was amazing. They went out and they shared the gospel. And you, I mean, you think we have a hard time sharing the gospel? They, I mean, they were, they got killed for it. But we have to go out there and they changed the world. I really truly believe the reason why we're standing here today or sitting here today is because of those 12 guys. They said that Jesus picked me. I'm ready. I'm going to do whatever it takes. Now, there were some bumps along the way. But they understood all that. 
So I always like, um, I love when Jesus, like a lot of people think Jesus is about changing things, and, and he is. And so Jesus' way of changing the culture is to be in the culture and changing hearts. What about that? I love that. We can't just, you know, say we're going to go pray for these people over here and never go in there and talk to the people. doesn't make any sense. So Jesus goes in and he changes people's hearts. But now the church way is opposite. We don't want to offend anybody with the truth. Well, you know what? If you're going to offend somebody, it might as well be with the truth. <laughs> because when you stand in front of Jesus, he's going to go, why didn't you tell him the truth? Like a lot of people water down the gospel. Tell the truth. You know, this is the way it is. The Bible says this. It's not, it's not me saying it's the Bible. Let me tell you a little story about uh, these guys. Uh, there was these five families that moved to Ecuador many years ago. And they bought a big farm and they bought a, a, an airplane and all that. And so they were, their idea was they were going to go and fly over the force of, of Ecuador. And when they found someone, they were gonna, that's the people that they were going to minister to. So it, it took a couple months, but then they finally, one day they were going, and they got really low, and they found this, this one tribe walking, and they were like, ah, these are the people. So then they start dropping food for them and stuff like that, and then one time they got really low, and the, the people on the bottom, they were throwing rocks at the plane because they'd never seen it. So then they were like, this is the people. I'm like, what? Those are the people? They don't even like you already. <laughs> So the guys, they got together and they said, okay, we're going to go, let's pray about this and let's, we're going to go meet these people. We're going to fly in and land on this river and we're going to talk to these people. And just before they were leaving, the, one, of the, one of the sons said to the dad, aren't you taking your rifle? And he goes, no, I'm not going to take it. He goes, Look, it could be dangerous. And he goes, you know, son, I'm ready for heaven. They are not. And then they left. And they landed on the on the on the river and they were so excited you know they get to see these people for the first time so they get out of the plane they walk over and this, this some men from the tribe came and they were like they put their hand out like hey welcome and all that and they killed them all five guys died boom you know some people think like what how's that sharing the gospel right they just wasted their lives but no if you want to know the rest of the story stick around because we'll tell you at the end what happened. But, uh, but that's what happened. So sometimes we have to go out and we have to try to save the world. But the problem is it's too big, right? Like if I said to you today, you know what? We want this church to grow to 1,000 people by the end of next year at this time. You probably go, <laughs> that's a good one. That ain't going to happen, right? Because the number's too big. But if you think about it, if each one of us in the church, I don't know how big the church is, say there's, it's 200. If each one of us brought well, just one person to Christ, that's 400 people. And then you do it again. You guys know Amway, right? It's all, it's all math, right? But the whole thing is, don't worry about the big number. You just do your part. Just one. And I guarantee you, um, you know, for the, we're going to teach this lesson, or this, this, uh, this way of evangelism, that you will get way more than one person if you try. So you could double, triple, quadruple your church, and guess what? It all depends on you. you know? So revival breaks in, or revival breaks out, when God breaks in. The gospel finds new audiences, and Christians find new ways to do the presentation of Jesus to the world. 
true revival may start in a corner, then it will thrive into a crowd. So the whole part is, who's going to be the first people to start it? Right? So say these guys over here, they're going to, they're going to do the lessons and they're going to go and they want to start a revival. But the rest of you are kind of like, eh, I'm going to wait to see if there's any success. You know, people that wait for other success lose out. How many of you guys bought Apple stock when it first came on the market? You're like, what? Why would anybody want a computer in your house? This guy's stupid. Now look what happens. If you probably put $1 and you'd be a millionaire right now, right? No one wants to be the first people. Well, the church has to be the first people because we're the only people. And once that happens, once these people start having success, then you guys are kind of like, well, I don't want to learn. I want to do it because that's our nature. So we have to get out there and we have to have success and we're going to teach you, um, for the people who would like to, this tool that... Have you guys ever... Um, have you ever wanted to go share your faith? And then you're like, I don't really know how. I don't really know how to start the conversation. Or if you do start the conversation, you're like, oh, please don't ask me any questions. Right? That's the problem with uh, the church. We're not prepared to do that. So through this training, you're going to be a professional real quick on how to do that. And when you start doing that, and you're doing it in a way that you'll never get in a fight with anybody, you will never um, get in debates, and even if they say no, they will still talk to you after. If that sounds interesting, come on Saturday. <laughs> so, the whole idea is this. Where is the, n the next world revival going to start? Depends on us, right? Why not start with, uh, why not Open up your hearts, and we have it right here in this community. There's nothing wrong with that. I think it's a great thing. So revival happens when God's people are prepared. It happens when we are ready for, for it and with tender hearts and humble spirits, right? In Second Chronicles, Chronicles verse 7, verse 14, it's, it's perfect. It says, If my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways... Then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and heal their lands. What do we have to do first? We have to humble ourselves. We have to look in the, we have to look in the mirror and go, God, help me. I, I, I know I'm your child, but I want to be a better child. Get this stuff out of my life that, that um, doesn't need to be there. Then we pray and we seek his, seek his face and his, he'll show us our wicked ways. And then, he, what would he do? He will forgive our sins and heal our land. That's what we want, right? If we want to, you know, I know it's, it's not, we'll never have world peace as long as Satan's around, right? But just imagine when, when Christ comes back, what heaven will be like. It would just be, it's just, it'll be amazing, right? So how can we hold that back from other people if we really believe that? We got to get out there and start telling people. So I think the only, or not the only, but the first step for us to have a revival is evangelism. That's right. That's what I said. I don't run out because when the church hears about evangelism, they get a little nervous, a little nervous, right? I remember when, uh, when I was in church a long time, I, when the pastor would start talking about evangelism, I'm like, hope he's not talking about me. I get my hands would all be nervous in my stomach, and I'd be like, then now I'm coming home, and I'm going to clean up the house, She's like, what are you talking about? I'm like, I just don't want to go out and evangelize, right? 
We have all these excuses. Well, until I started thinking of a different way. So what I, I decided was, you know what? I'm not going to be that nervous guy anymore. I'm going to figure things out and I'm going to try. So, so I figured out this way of thinking is this. I am given, we are given the privilege and joy of helping others make a decision to follow Jesus. Now I am not fearful to share the gospel to anybody. So once we get to the ideas, you know what? It's a privilege. If we call ourselves um, disciples, it's a privilege that we get to go out and share Jesus' story. That should excite us. That should give us, like, I want to do this. So we have to have the same idea of the disciples did back in this time. How many of you guys here are missionaries? Ah, so some people think, well, we, we should probably talk about what is a missionary. So some people think a missionary means you have to go to a different country or a different state or a different city or whatever. Well, I like to say, you know what? If you're a disciple, you are a missionary. How do I know that? Well, let's go to the Bible. In 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 5, verse 18 through 20, we're just going to read 18 first. It says this, All of this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. So who's us? Yeah, church, the disciples, right? So if, if we read it again, all of this is from God who reconciled us, the church, or put in your own name, to himself through Christ and give what? You, the ministry of reconciliation. So we all have to become missionaries. Maybe not paid, but you get paid when you get to heaven. It's way better, <laughs> right? So we are all missionaries. This is what the church doesn't understand. The church thinks, no, we, 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 we send money to the missionaries. No, every one of us is a missionary. If we start thinking like that, then we will get out there and do a better job for Christ of sharing his story. So a lot of people think, well, that's the pastor's job. It doesn't say pastors. It says us. So what are we supposed to do? So in verse 19 it says that God was reconciling the world to himself through Christ, not counting people's sin against them, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. It doesn't say the message of condemnation. That's not even in the Bible, but we're good at that one, right? We're good at telling people they need to do this, this, and this, and this. Well, I don't know about you guys, but I don't like really being told what to do very much. So if someone tells me that, I'm probably going to do the opposite, right? Because that's just who I am. Ask my wife. She's been working on me for 33 years. But so the thing is, God is not going to count people's sin against them, right? So why are we when we start off the conversation with people? We have to start thinking a little bit smarter. And then in verse 20, it says, We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God was making his appeal through us. So with these verses... We become missionaries. We have to be. The church needs to get out and be missionaries, wherever you are. It doesn't matter. You know, there's a, there's a study that says uh, each, each one of us have a minimum of 45 people in our lives. Now, let's just say half of them are Christians. So let's just say there's, what, you know, 50 people here today, right now, whatever. Um, so if there's 20 people, that means that's 20 opportunities in each one of our lives. 20 times 50 is how much? Who's, ah, who's got the math over there? Right? That's a thousand opportunities. 
that we could go out and share the gospel just with this people here, not even the first service. That's incredible. How does that not change your community? How does that not change your family? Right? So this type of evangelism, we teach how to get into your families that people that never wanted to talk to you before about it, they're going to want to talk to you because you're going to ask questions that are very, um, they're not confrontational, but they get to the heart. And that's the whole idea. So we have to become Christ's ambassadors. Who's, Jesus is, um, has a kingdom, right? Are we part of the kingdom? So we need to listen to his message, right? We have to be his ambassadors. The job of an ambassador is what? To go out and share whatever you want to say to that, another country, right? Well, that's what we have to do. It's the same thing that Jesus tells us to do. So what do we need to do? Well, we need to build, build an army. Well, where do we get the army from? Right here. The church. How many, how many Christians are in this world? Like a billion? Would that be a safe, safe number all over the world? If we just got together collectively and started going out and sharing the gospel, that'd be crazy. We would change the world. But we're sitting in here being comfortable, right? Um, but we have to get uncomfortable. What are we going to do? Well, we're going to go to war. If you're going to go out and share the gospel, you're going to war against Satan. He, isn't, he doesn't like that. So you're going to get in trouble sometimes. <laughs> you know, there's so many people right now standing up the, in the church about different things in the world, and everybody's, the other side is attacking them, right? Well, because they have to. But that's okay, because God says we're supposed to have persecution in our life. How many of you have been persecuted for your faith? Yeah, well, that's a pro- if you, it's, a pro- it's a promise that God will give you. Now, I don't think anybody wakes up and says, Oh, God, I need some persecution today. I don't think anybody does that, right? But if you're in Christ and you're out there doing things, you're going to be persecuted. Now, persecution looks different all the time. Um, like when we, when we lived in Ethiopia, uh, there's a, another little country on top of it. It's called uh, Eritrea. And they have a dictator there. And if you are a Christian and they find out, they throw you in jail. And one of our friends, his, his brother, uh, has been in prison for 19 years just because he had a Bible. That's, in, that's incredible, no? And then he told me, uh, I met all these guys and they said all these, uh, these their experiences. Like uh, when they came into Ethiopia, they got caught by the police. And they, how they would make sure that they, they didn't move they would build holes for them and they would fill the water up to here and they would have to stand in there all night. Or sometimes they had them in like uh, little containers and they were all like, you know, a little container had like 100 people in there and they were, it was just nasty and they had many other stories. But when they were saying these stories, they were all like smiling. And I was like, how do you, in my head, I'm like, how's that, how you, why are you smiling? So I finally asked one. I said, why do you guys smile? And he goes, Mike, because we saw Jesus with us. So persecution, I think it strengthens our walk. You know, uh, I always thought, you know, in, in Ethiopia they had uh, socialism for like 20 years or so. The underground church grew because people really need Christ, right? So persecution, I, I don't want to say it's a good thing, but it, it can help our faith. So when we go out there, you're probably going to get persecuted in different ways. And that's okay. So we're going to go to war. Who are we, who are we going to go to war with? We're going to go to war 
with the darkest things in the world. Where's the darkest place in the world, you guys think? Where? Ah, where else? Anybody? Las Vegas. That's the worst place in the world. All right, I got a place even worse than that. You must have lost money there, I guess. <laughs> the worst place, in the darkest place in the world is right here. People's hearts. You know, how, how do you, like, when I was watching all these things on TV and how these people were so evil to other people, how does that happen? It's right here. I watched a story about um, why the, this one German guy, uh, it was back in, in the war, they asked him, how did you hate the Jews so much? He goes, because um, we were taught. And he's like, I was like, well, I was, so I started listening. It's like, there was a process of it. And then he goes, till this day, I still hate German, or I still hate um, Jewish people. So it's, it's, it's right here. We have to change people's hearts. So we're not going to go physically in fighting with people. We're fighting Satan. We're fighting their heart. Um, so when you go to war, there are sacrifices, right? You know, um, in our case, it could be your time. You know, our times, what's the most, well, you guys are already the answer. So um, what is the most precious thing that we have? Time. You can't buy it. You can't, you can't buy it back. You can't sell it. You know, we all have a certain amount of time. So for us to actually go out and share the gospel, it just might take us some time. You know, you might have to not watch the Chargers lose next week. Or worse yet, I heard that there's an Eagle fan in here. <laughs> so all you guys need to know about football this year, the Dolphins are going to win it all, so you can move on. That's all you need to know. Right? So it's going to cost us some. Or sometimes it's going to, it might cost us money. It might cost us... Uh, uh, sometimes when we go out and evangelize, we might... Uh, our family might go, what are you doing? You're crazy. You know, there's a lot of people in this world that actually when they finally get to know Christ... They have to leave their families. I know lots of people that had to do that in Ethiopia. So we have to get out there and help people. Did you guys know the first missionaries that went to Africa, they brought their coffins? Can you imagine that? Loading up the truck and <laughs> put the coffin in to make sure. But they knew that there was a very good chance that they weren't coming back. Like, do we have that type of commitment? A lot of times we don't, right? A lot of times, some things, sometimes we do, sometimes we don't. But we have to go with that mindset. It's, it's a serious thing. We, you guys know that if we don't bring people to Christ, they're going to go to hell? Who wants to go to hell? No one, right? Because we know the, the consequences. So we've got to get out there, and we have to get there with a message of reconciliation like we've talked about. But the world's going to fight back. The better you are at this stuff, the more it's going to hit you. Uh, I don't know, for some reason, for, I don't know, we, we, we've been talking about doing some stuff for uh, these kids that are detransitioning. I found this one website, I, I, I want to start helping these kids. And ever since that, I, I made that kind of decision, Satan's been attacking me <laughs> on a lot of different things. And I was like, why is he attacking me? Like, Leave me alone, right? But then I'm thinking, well then, if, if I'm doing something that's going to be for God, the attacks are going to be even more. So when we go out there and you start finding people in your lives, don't think just everybody's going to go, oh, you're going to come talk to Jesus about me? Nice, I love it. 
We have to get smarter, all right? So we're going we're gonna to show you guys different techniques that we can do that. So we have to build this army. If we don't build an army, you don't win the war. Has anybody ever won a war by themselves? No. There's always other people helping, right? So I think one of the, the best verses for evangelism is, is 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. It says, But in your hearts revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for your hope that you have. Now, no one reads the last part. But do this with gentleness and respect. You know, when, uh, when I was a kid, my dad would come home, and uh, my dad was not a very nice man. So when he would come home and he slammed the door and yell for me, I was downstairs, and, and I would pretend I wasn't home until he left. But when my mom came home, I would run upstairs all the time because I always knew that she was going to be loving to me. And then when my dad was nice, then I would run up the stairs, right? So no one likes to be yelled at or treated bad or with disrespect. Who, who here likes to be disrespected? Right? No one. So when we go out and share the gospel, let's not do that to other people. Let's treat them how we would like to be treated. How did you guys come to Christ? Someone was, sat down with you probably or, you know, and talked about Jesus, right? They weren't yelling at you and screaming at you and all that, right? So we have to do the same. So in this verse, I think it's, um, we have to be prepared to go out. We got to get out of these buildings. These buildings are beautiful, but we we got to get out. We're the people that need our help. You know, I always thought I always taught our church in Ecuador and in Peru. Uh, you know, whenever we go out and talk to people or knock on people's doors, if we're not the first people, they're gonna, whoever knocks on their door. If it's the gangs, or if it was the Jehovah Witnesses, or the Mormons, they would become that. So why are we as Christians, why are we so scared to go out there and do that? Satan Satan's doesn't take a day off, right? We have to get out there. We have to show who people are. I'll tell you a, a real quick story. Um, we knocked on this one guy's door, and he didn't come for like five minutes. Usually we leave, but for some reason we stayed there. He came out, and he goes, what do you guys want? And we're like, we're, we're here to say, uh, show you a story and tell you a little bit about the gospel. And the guy goes, really? He goes, I'm kind of busy hanging myself right now. He was like, he had the rope on and everything. So we went there, and we talked to him, and then he, he didn't do that, and he became a follower, and he's in the church. So, but if we didn't go knock on someone's door, that guy probably would have died. How many other stories are there of people like that? People are, are hurting. They're just, I don't, it, it, it is the truth. So we got to get out there and show them the gospel. Then, but we don't do it, we don't pressure them into doing something that they don't want to do. No one likes that. So if we can do it in a way that they want to learn about the gospel, and this way of evangelism that we're going to teach you guys, um, usually 95% of the people give their life to Christ. So it's pretty cool. It's pretty... We always do things that are fun, right? Or that we have success. Well, the more success we have for evangelism, guess what? We'll do it more because we're going to get good at it. Um, we go out to evangelize uh, without having the risk of damaging our relationship. So not yelling at them and telling them that we're gonna, they're going to go to hell, that, that message is gone. Uh, I, I really believe, if I, can, if I t talk to someone and I say, you know, oh, you're an alcoholic, you've got to change this, 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 and this, 
they're not going to listen to me, right? They've already heard the story. So we need to get smarter because in these lessons, I'm going to tell people at least four or five times that they're going to go to hell because I can prove it. Um, and then listen. And then they're all of a sudden like, well, I don't want to go to hell. How do I not go to hell? Because it's changed, right? Um, I'll tell you a little quick story about this lady in Ethiopia. I asked, we asked questions like, why are people scared to go out and share the gospel? She said, well, I don't want to get punched in the face anymore. I said, what? How does that happen? She goes, well, there was this little Muslim man. He was walking by, and I said to him, you're going to hell. You need to change your life. So she, he punched her. And I said, I go, huh. I go, your, your information was correct, but your delivery needs a little, little help, right? That's why in these lessons, we can show people where they're going. And they get to choose 100%. And most people go, I don't want to go there. Because we took the time to explain to them what's going to happen to them. Um, and you know what? We will catch more people with a message of reconciliation than condemnation. It's just the way it is. One of my friends, he, he, did, a, he did a lessons with this Muslim guy. And uh, each lesson takes about 35 to 40 minutes. And after the third lesson, that's when you ask him, uh, would you like to accept Christ as your Lord and Savior? So this guy, the Muslim man, he goes, uh, yeah, I would like to. So my friend kind of looked and was like, really? Which is kind of funny. I'm like, you know the lessons work, so why are you so shocked, right? But uh, so the Muslim guy goes, then my friend, he goes, well, has no one ever talked to you about Christ? And he's like, no, hundreds of Christians have talked to me through my, my life. He said, but when they find out that I'm a Muslim, then they start going off with a, you know, you know you're going to hell, you're, you're worshiping the wrong God and all that. He goes, so I just stopped listening. And he goes, well, what's different, what's different this time? He goes, because you're the only one that actually took the time to explain to me who Jesus is. And he goes, how can I not love a Jesus like this? So, you know, take time with people, and, and you'll have so much more success. And, and we have to get the message out there in a way that people will respond to. Now, don't think every single person you talk to is going to say yes. Okay, I don't, that's not going to happen. But you're going to find out uh, the, how you do it. You'll find way more people that will help you with, or do it with you. I did it with, a, with an, uh, this man who was an atheist. And I said to him, I said, um, you know, I talked to him about, I did all the, this thing called Ford on him and all that. And I said, you know, you're, you as an atheist. And he goes, yeah, and I don't believe in God. And he goes, you can't prove to me that there's a God. And I said, well, if I can prove to you in like the next 10 seconds there's a God. He goes, if you do that, I'll do the lessons. So I said, okay. So I asked him, I said, so as, there's, no he, there's no heaven, there's no hell, there's no, you know, no consequences for what you do here. And he's like, no. I said, well, if that's true, why don't you kill someone? He's like, whoa, you, you know, they can't do that. I go, why? If there's no, if there's no sin, there's nothing, you're not going to have to worry about it. He goes, because right here, there's, you, you're, not, you, you're not allowed to. And I said, well, what do you think that is? He goes, well, I don't know. I go, well, here's the thing. Here's what Christians know that the um, non-believers don't know is when Christ said he, he made us in his image, he, we all have the Holy Spirit. Some people don't use it, but it's there. And, he, and I said, that's God telling you what's good and what's wrong, right? And he's like, oh, man. All right, let's do the lessons. And then, he'd be, and then he'd give his life to Christ, right? So the whole idea is it's just how you do the presentation to people and they will accept it. Um, so, and I love this verse. I think this is how, what we should start doing in our own minds. 
It's uh, Romans chapter 10, verses 14 and 15. It says, How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? That's us. We, I mean, I love church. And I love hanging out with Christians. But we've got to get out there and talk to other people. And how can anyone preach unless they're sent? Oh, that's a big one. I'm not sent. Well, if you're a Christian, you're a disciple, guess what? You're sent. You might go, oh, I'm not going. But you're sent. When you said to Jesus, I pick you, Jesus goes, I'm, I'm picking you too. As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. I mean, that's an amazing thing. We're... How beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. That's an amazing, I love that verse. So now we're going to go back to the story. Remember the story? These people died. Five guys, boom, they all died. Well, something amazing happened. Remember the, let's talk about, remember the, uh, the definition? The awakening of God's people to their true nature and purpose. Well, these women, just think about this. They just, these people just killed their, their husbands. So they must have had like some kind of hatred and stuff like that in that process. Well, God told them, go talk to the people. And I'm like, what? what? So just imagine these women. They just, their, their husbands just got killed. So their idea, instead of coming back to the United States, their idea was to go hang out with these people. So they went into this village, which, you know, if they just killed my husband, why are they not going to kill me? But for some reason, they didn't. And they, over, over a period of time, they started living more and more with these people. And then eventually, they actually moved into the tribe. And through that, um, the men that killed them, they were all the leaders of the tribe, they all became Christians. And then, the, if that wasn't amazing enough, though that tribe started going to other tribes. So when we go and do... A revival, it looks different all the time. But to me, that's a huge revival. Because now the gospel is getting spread to people that never knew. So we have to go out there. And I, I think, um, I bet you they, they prayed this, this, this verse too. It's Isaiah 41.10. It says, Fear not, for I am with you. Uh, be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous hands. See, sometimes we, I mean, I think a lot of times we're scared of dying. But if we're Christians, we're not dying. We just pass on, right? So if we're, if, if we shouldn't be scared to go do things in Christ. Because if we do die, oh, wow, what, oh, that's pretty sad. You get to go to heaven. Hello, that's okay, right? That's a, that's a good reward. You know, my, my uncle, he was like 90 and he was a missionary in Africa for many years and and our whole family, they're anti-Jesus. Anti they don't like Christ at all. But when he died, I was like, I was like happy. Because, I, I mean, he's going where I want to go. Our whole family, I was like, oh, da, da. I'm like, why are, you go, why are you guys so sad? And they're like, well, he died. I'm like, well, yeah, okay. But that gave me an opportunity to share the gospel with him. But the whole idea is we don't die. So we should never be afraid to get out there 
like these women. I mean, don't you think those women, they should have brought their own coffins, right? But that's the faith that they had. And God honored that. God will honor us too when we get out there. Um, So now, church, what are we going to do? How are we going to apply this stuff in our lives? Well, first of all, we we must be prepared. God uses people that are prepared all the time. Um, You have to humble yourselves. We have to pray. We have to fast. And then we have to go out and preach um, reconciliation instead of condemnation. So if we do all that, then in verse um, John, or James 2, 17, in the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. So most, sometimes people say, well, um, that means I'm working my way to heaven. No, it's the opposite. We do things in Jesus because we love Jesus, not because of our salvation, right? Or to gain our salvation. So when we get out there and we start sharing the gospel, think of that. We are out there. All right, my, act, my, my faith is in action. So the question is, you don't have to put your hand up or anything, just put it in your mind. When was the last time you brought someone to Jesus? Or, or in your other, or you can say it this way, how many people have I ever brought to Christ? You know, the answer is zero. Okay. You know, because God always says, I, wherever you are, I'm going to take you somewhere else. So the idea is, and maybe it's 1,000, maybe it's 2,000, and that's great, but we need more. So whatever your number is, it's time to increase it. So if the answer was, no, I've never done that, the question should become, do you want to learn how to share Jesus' story so you can be part of growing the kingdom and making disciples um, without fighting with people and arguing with people? Well, if that, if that interests you, then come on Saturday. Like I said, the, car, I mean, the Chargers are probably going to lose anyways. So you've got time. And... Um, and let's, and like, I, like, I like this saying too, it says, let's not let the world take the church out of, the, out of, the, and out of the hope. Let me do that again. Let's not let the world take the church and the hope out of the world. That our job is, our generation is, we gotta, we gotta get out there and we have to um, share the gospel and start changing how we think a church should be ran. All right. Can I pray for us? Father, we come to you and we say thank you. We thank you for everything that you've given us. We thank you for um, salvation. That, that would be enough, but you, you bless us so many other ways. We thank you for this time together as a family in you. Father, I just ask you to give each of us uh, many opportunities this week to show um, people, in our, or people in our lives about Jesus. I thank you for this church and I thank you for the love that you give us each and every day. We, I thank you for um, the opportunity to go out there and, and give people a, a tool to go out and share your, your story. And most of all, we just love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the podcast. We want to be a church where people are changed by God to change the world. If you want to partner with us in this way, you can start by doing these two things. The first, if you haven't subscribed to this podcast, You can do that by hitting the subscribe button wherever you're listening so you can stay connected with us and we can broaden our reach. And the second, and this might be the most important thing you do, share this message with someone you know. And as always, remember you are prayed for, cared for, and loved. See you next time.